Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. Help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, church. The title of today's message is I Need a Miracle. I Need a Miracle. I can tell you, I know in this room there's a lot of different ages and stages. Um, There are people who have been walking with God for many years. There are people in this room today that this might be your first time in church in many, many years. But it doesn't matter in what age and stage you are, what part of your journey you're on. I think every one of us have some area in our life where we're saying, you know what, God, I need a miracle. Maybe that's not your vernacular. That wouldn't be the way you say it. Maybe, maybe you say, God, I need some change in some area of my life. I need a breakthrough. You know, whether with my kids, I need, I need you to change my kids. God, my teenagers are driving me nuts right now. I need some, I need some change, you know. You got to change my spouse. You got you to help us right now. I, I, it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. There's some area, and it's going to sound different for each different person in this room, but there's some area where we're going, God, I need a miracle. I need change. I wonder how many of you would say there's some area in your life right now where you're saying, God, give me some breakthrough. Give me a miracle. Give me some change right now, right? Yeah, that's a lot of us in this room. In fact, if you're not there now, the truth is you're gonna get to that point. Because God draws us closer to him through some of the needs that we face sometimes where we need a miracle and where we need change. And I got good news for you is that our God is in the business of making changes. Our God is in the business of bringing miracles and bringing breakthroughs. So I wonder how many of you want some breakthrough in this place in some area of your life today? That's right. That's right. Then do this. Give, give your neighbor a gentle shake and tell him change is coming. Change is coming. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that that you are capable of change. You are capable of changing us, of, of, of bringing miracles in our life and bringing breakthroughs. We thank you that you're always great, you're always good, and, and that you draw us to you. Um, in difficult times and good times, you're always drawing us in. So I pray right now that, um, that you would just fill me with your word, fill me with your spirit right now, that I wouldn't say or do anything that would get in the way of what you want to communicate to your people, but instead you just use me as your voice box. To help us to understand your love for us and understand the breakthrough that you want for each of us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, guys, there's a passage that I want to look at today. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 3. And to be honest, if you've been coming to our church for any period of time, you've heard me teach on this passage before. And and to be honest, you'll probably hear me teach on it again because it's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It's so encouraging to me and it it, it helps me with my faith. It helps me in the times where I feel stuck and and where I'm I'm begging God for a miracle. Help me. Would you you give me some change? It's, It's a very encouraging story for me to go back and look and, and remember. So I want to dive right into it today. This is found in 2 Kings 3. We're going to jump to verse 9. You can follow along on the side screens. It says this, so the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. Wait, exclaimed the king of Israel. Has the Lord called us three kings together only to hand us over to Moab? 
But Jehoshaphat said, Is there a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him? And an officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. So what we have here is Elisha is the new prophet on the scene. See, in the Old Testament, we see before Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to all of us who are in Christ, we see that the Holy Spirit would rest on, uh, on a prophet. So God would pick a person and, and would speak to the person. So anytime he wanted to talk to a nation or, or kings or a people group or, or an individual, he, he would speak to the prophet and the prophet would go and, and, and do miracles and, and, and bless people, but he would, he would speak the word of the Lord. And we see Elijah was the prophet. And, and his servant, Elisha, was kind of following up as a successor and was learning from him. And the, the anointing, the mantle was passed down to Elisha. So now Elijah's no longer on the scene. And Elisha is the new prophet. And you've got these three kings together. Which, by the way, these three kings, the Bible shows us, are far from God. They're not obeying him. They're not inquiring of him. They're going in. In fact, they went into this decision to gather their three armies together to go against the rebellion that was taking place in Moab. So they did all this, and they didn't even ask God if it's what God wanted them to do. And now they find themselves in this weird situation where they're, they're feeling stuck, and they're, they're, they're scared, and, and they start wondering, like, I, I don't know, is there, is there someone we could talk to? They have been so far from God for so long, they didn't even know who the prophet was. Leaders of nations. And they, they don't even know who they're supposed to talk to in order to be able to hear from God. And we see that this is where these kings are. In fact, the king of Israel, the, the Bible shows us not only has he stopped listening to God, he turned to other false gods. He was worshiping idols and worshiping demons. So he wasn't inquiring of God at all. He was, he was listening to the voice of the enemy. And he found himself now in a place where, I mean, if you think about it, this should have been easy. They got three armies together. They were, they were just going to go out and, and squelch this little rebellion and come back. But they, they encountered something, uh, something they should have won real easy. They encountered some, some unexpected circumstances. And now, all of a sudden, they found themselves in trouble. I wonder, have you ever been doing something that you're like, I do this all the time. This is just my work. This is just life. It should be easy. But you encounter some unexpected circumstances. And you're like, oh, oh, wait. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting my spouse to do that. I wasn't expecting my kids to go overboard. I, was, I wasn't expecting to lose my job. Like, this should have been easy, and now all of a sudden I'm facing some circumstances, and it's, it's got me a little scared. Well, for these three kings, this was a life and death matter. I mean, their armies are out in the desert waiting for an attack, and in the desert they, they now are out of water. This is life and death. They're terrified. So they're going, maybe, you know, maybe we should, uh, we got ourselves in so much trouble. Let's see if God has anything to say about this. Like, can we get some of that God dust to pour on this situation? Maybe, maybe fix it. Man, why do we do that? Well, why do we say things like, oh, man, now I guess all we can do is pray. It's like, we leave our preeminent Savior, the, the first. We, we leave him as our last resort. 
or he's got plans for every one of us and he can direct us and lead us towards a, a wonderful life, lead us towards righteousness, lead us towards blessings. And we, we, we were like, well, I, I guess there's nothing else we could do. Let's talk to God. Why do we do that? It's like, like God's on the side of the basketball court waiting to be picked in PE going, just let me play. And I'm like, I know I didn't get picked first, but can I like, at least, yes, I got picked. I'm, like, I'm last, but at least I get to play, right? Why, why do we treat our God that way? Yet we see here these kings have found themselves in a very scary circumstance and, and, and they're, really, they're really messed up and, and they're going, we, we need to know, is there someone, is there, is there someone out there who could hear from God? Because we're scared, we're going to lose our lives. And, and they say, yeah, there's this guy, he, he served Elijah, he's the new prophet on the scene. Now again, Elisha, he's new to the scene, but he already has a couple miracles under his belt. We see a chapter earlier in 2 King chapter 2 um, that there was a spring that was toxic. It was polluted and no one could drink from it. And he went and blessed the spring and it became fresh and, and people could use the spring again. There's also another really weird one in scripture where apparently Elisha was bald because the Bible tells a story about the time where there's some little boys who came out and were mocking Elisha and calling him baldy, baldy, baldy. He got so frustrated. He actually called into the mountains and called bears out of the mountains and the bears came and mauled the, the little kids. That's actually in the Bible, right? The moral of the story, don't mess with bald people, okay? It's right there in the Bible. That's what, that's what it says. But he's got, he's got a couple... Um, a couple miracles under his belt. But really, this is kind of like his opportunity to go before the kings. This is his opportunity to make a first impression. And these kings have gotten so far away from God, they didn't even know who the prophet was. They said, is, is there a prophet of the Lord here? And we're in real trouble. We, we need some help right now. And sometimes needs will come up in your life that are so big that you have to seek something bigger than yourself. There are times that every one of us are going to face in our life where we realize this is outside of the realm of what I can handle. It's outside of my skill set. It's outside of my knowledge. It's outside of my resources. And sometimes we'll find ourselves in a situation where we have great need. But I've got good news for you today. That if you have great need in your life, it, it can be a good thing because it can be the very thing that leads you to greater dependence on God. It can lead you to a place where you're more reliant on God and, and understanding him more and closer to him. In fact, I've, I've seen it in my friends' lives. So I've experienced it in my own life. I've talked to many of you in here that you've gone through some difficult seasons. You've gone through some stuff where you went through some unexpected circumstances and it, it brought some, some great need to you. And in the middle of that need, you were scared and you were calling out, you were freaking out. But I talked to so many people who once they exit that season would say, you know what, I would never trade that because it was that difficulty. It was that, that, that struggle that I went through, that season I went through where I had great need, which caused me to rely more and become more dependent on my God. And, and I would never trade that for anything. So I'm here to encourage you today that maybe if you felt far from God, maybe you feel like you have great need, that it can be exactly what God uses to draw you closer to him today. And I believe God wants to do some miracles and some breakthrough in your life today. See, now Elisha gets his first chance to go and speak to these kings. This is his first impression. 
Now let me tell you, if I had the opportunity to go before our leaders and our government, and I had, I had the opportunity to go before kings, go before presidents, I would want to make a good first impression. I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd, I'd come in, I'd, I'd open up with something funny, you know, some maybe a little heartwarming. I'd compliment them, talk about how good they look today and stuff like that, because, you know, I want to get them on my side. I want to make a good first impression. But apparently, they never taught this to Elisha. Because Elisha, when he comes onto the scene, has his first opportunity to speak to these three great, powerful kings. This is how he responds to them. Verse 13. Elisha said to the king of Israel, what do, you, what do we have to do with each other? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. Like, hello, did no one ever teach him the art of faking it? Right? This is how you have your first conversation with the king? What do we have to do with each other? Like, your problem is not my problem. Like, you're going and doing things your own way, and now all of a sudden you want to go sprinkle some God dust on it. What does that have to do with me? I mean, he is, like, really bold in this guy's face. He's got some attitude. Oh, oh, you want some God in your life now, but you haven't called on me before. You're, going, you're listening to your parents who are worshiping all these idols and doing things their own way. And now you want, and he, we see this attitude rise up in Elisha. He's got... He's got some swagger with him, right? And see, he didn't just come up with this on his own. He had seen this before. His predecessor, Elijah, had the same type of attitude. Because if you remember on Mount Carmel, uh, Elisha faced the prophets of Baal, and there was the, the, the big battle where they said, you know what, we're going to decide and find out once and for all who God is. So you worship this little demon that you call Baal, and I worship God Almighty. So what we're going to do is you're going to call out to, to your demon, and, and we're going to find out if he can actually present fire to the altar and show that he's powerful. And once that fails, I'm going to show you that God Almighty can answer my prayers and will bring fire in. So he says, go ahead, start doing it. You got, you got all day long just to take your time, call out to, to your demon. We'll see if he's powerful. We'll see if he, he's good. And as they're, they're crying, out. They, these prophets of Baal are crying out. He begins to taunt them and start mocking them. Oh, I guess maybe you should call it louder. He can't hear you. Maybe he's on a trip or something. Then he really brings it home. He's like, oh, you know what? I bet I know what it is. He's probably in the bathroom right now. You know, he's occupado, so if you just give him a little bit, I bet he'll, he'll, he'll come out and he'll come through. He's mocking them there. And and we see that, of course, Baal wasn't able to come through because Baal is just a created demon, right? But, but then God Almighty came through and answered. And it's, it's with this swagger that he learned from his predecessor that he says, you know what? Someone has to stand up for the fact that God loves his people and doesn't want to be excluded. God cares for us and doesn't want to just be pushed to the side. So, so he's coming in where he's like, I'm not going to just stand by and, and let you have all this opinion uh, about God when you haven't even listened to him. And he, he really stands up for what he believes and he's saying, okay, I, I'm, I'm gonna talk to you now and I'm gonna let you know what you need to hear, not necessarily what you want to hear. And he begins showing them that obviously only God can make it rain. That the greatest human ingenuity will fall short. He starts showing them that there are, there are times in your life when you need to recognize you can't just go at it on your own. You've got you to be trusting in God. You've got to be leaning into him. In, in, in the middle of all this, he's saying, what, what do we have to do with each other? Why, why are you now calling on me and, and acting like it's somehow my fault, like it's somehow God's fault? Why don't you go back to the prophets of your mother and your father? And the king of Israel responds, no, no. Now remember, the king of Israel, he's a wicked king. 
He's not listening to God. He hasn't been following God. But now he finds himself where his mistakes have got him to a low point. And what we see that's so beautiful about the grace of our God, what I hope every person in this room will hear is that you and I will make some mistakes and we'll get ourselves in some low points in life. But our God, he, he's not sitting there holding it against us going, well, well, that's your problem now. No, we see the heart of our God is, is the heart of our God is saying, okay, you're at a low point and now this low point is causing you to call on me. So I'm, I'm going to respond to you. I'm going to be there for you. And there's some of you in here today that you feel like you've been far from God because you've been struggling. You've been messing up. You feel like you're at a low point. You might be here today because you might feel like you hit rock bottom. And the good news is our God is ready to lift you up. He's ready to talk to you. He's ready to give you breakthrough and help you. So, so we see, though, that the, there's still some attitude in, in both Elisha and the king of Israel right now. So the king of Israel answered, no, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to hand us over to Moab. Isn't it funny how God gets so little of the credit when things are going good, but he gets the bulk of the blame when we get ourselves in a bad situation? And you can probably predict by now in the story that Elisha's not about to let that slide. He's not about to let the king of Israel just make a comment like this. So he says, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look at you or even notice you. Man, he's saying, you're just another person in the room. I'm not here for you. I like Jehoshaphat, so I'm talking to him. And you're over there mouthing off and blaming God as though it's somehow God's. I don't, I'm not even looking at you or noticing. He's in his face. This is the king of Israel, and he's in his face right now. And then the next verse, he says the weirdest thing, like one of the strangest things you'll see in Scripture. He's telling them, I wouldn't even notice you. Now, someone bring me my harpist. <laughs> Wait, what? A little strange, right? Here we are. Here we are. This, this, the armies are in danger. The kings are, are trying to call upon the Lord. But Elisha is angry right now. Um, they're going, okay, you're the one that can hear from God. God's the only one that can fix the problem. We need you to hear from God. And he's telling them off. He's like, okay, someone bring me some mood music. I got to get my music on so I can hear God today. It's like, what are, what are you talking about? That is a strange request. Like the musician who's like, I will not play today unless there's green M&Ms in my, uh, uh, my, my pre-concert room, right? It's strange. It's really strange. But what we see is there were, there were quite a few prophets who would travel around with musicians. And, and a harpist, like, could you pick a more difficult and strange instrument to have follow you around? But there was, a lot of, there was a lot of musicians that would follow prophets around because there would be times when, when, when the prophet would need to set the mood so that he could hear from God. Because right now he's in the middle of a conflict. He's fighting. He's going, I've got to get out of this conflict. I've got to get out of this place where I'm angry. And I've got to get to a place where I can be in an atmosphere where I can hear from God. See, music is it's a really cool thing that we use in order to be able to get ourselves more sensitive to hearing the voice and the presence of God. Now, don't get me wrong. Music does not increase the voice or the presence of God. You can hear God without music. But we have music a lot of times around us to make us more sensitive to, to drown out the other stuff, to make us more sensitive to listening to the presence and the voice of God. 
So th- that's why so many times at church we, we open up with worship sets. I mean, first off, God tells us to worship him, to play instruments skillfully for him. We, we do it because he tells us to, but we also do it at the end of services and in, before classes and stuff like that. We have music playing to help us just get into an atmosphere where we can become sensitive to the presence of God. We can become sensitive to hearing him so we can get inspired by what God wants to tell us. Now see... While all this is starting to take place, the Bible tells us in 2 Kings verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 15, it says, While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he said, so, so God, he starts hearing it, he said, This is what the Lord says. Now let me set this up for a bit because, again, the harpist is playing, the word of God starts flowing, and these kings must have been so excited because they were expectant to hear that, okay, great, we, we asked for a breakthrough, we asked for a miracle, we asked God to help us, and God's going to help us now. We're, they're expecting, they've got to be expecting for life to come back and be like, okay, um, yeah, God's going to just give you all the water you need, look in your canteens, they're going to be full, you're, you're not going to be dehydrated at all, you're going to be perfectly fine. It, like We sometimes go before for God. And we just expect him to tell us things like, you're going to get the job you want this week. And it's going to be more money for, uh, for less hours. You're, you're going to find the woman you've been looking for tomorrow. Like we, we just pray and we expect for the huge, like this is going to be the answer to my prayer miracle. Like, like I just, I called on God so I get to, just get to treat him like a slot machine. This is the opportunity I have right now for God to give me the miracle that I want and that I'm looking for. The kings are hopeful, okay? But the kings are looking for inspiration. They're looking for encouragement. But this story is showing us something because inspiration's a wonderful thing. And the truth is, every time you come to church, I hope and I pray that you're inspired. I hope that when you leave here, you're encouraged, you're inspired for change, you're, you're ready. But this story shows us that there is a big difference between inspiration and participating. There's a huge difference between inspiration and participation and the purposes of God. Because this is what God says. The kings are hopeful. The, har- the harpist is playing. Elisha hears from God. This is what the Lord, word of the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. Now, if I'm the king, and my, my livestock and my men are now out in the field dehydrated, I'm dehydrated, I'm scared. This is not what I want to hear. I, I call on you because I need a miracle, Right? I need breakthrough right now. I call on you and, and, and you tell me, like, I'm, there's something I'm supposed to do? See, maybe the kings wanted to use God as a shortcut. Like, like you could be the shortcut to paying my water bill up in heaven and getting the rain turned back on. I can use you as a lottery ticket or something. But, but the truth is what we all as followers of Christ need to understand is that God is not a shortcut. He is our only solution. And we look sometimes for a shortcut when, when, when we get ourselves in a mess, when we're a little bit scared. But again, God is not our shortcut. He's our only solution. So if all we're looking for from God is what God can provide for us, then we're missing it. We haven't got it figured out yet. If we're, just, if we're looking for God for what he can do, then, we're, it's, then it's idolatry. If we're looking for God for who he is, then it's worship. And see, God answers back with, okay, I'm going to do something, but first, what I want you to do is I want you to make this valley full of dishes. See, see, we sometimes treat God like, do the next magic trick for me. 
Like, I got myself in trouble. Would you just come bail me out again? And, and, and this is the truth. God loves you, and he has grace, and he extends it to you. And he, he will come and rescue us, and he will forgive us. And there's nothing you can do that God won't forgive you for. There's nothing you can do that he can't lead you out of. But, but there's something we learned here is that miracles are not magic tricks. And that faith is not a lottery ticket. Faith is a work order. A lot of times we, we look, God, just turn the water back on in heaven. Just bring me miracle. Just, just get, but God says, first, I, I, I want you to participate in this. I want you to participate in, in being blessed. So what I want you to do, if you, if you really want me to send the rain, then you need to go dig a ditch. If you really want me to send water to you, are you ready for the water? If I were to send water to you right now, are you ready? So we pray things like, God, would, would you give me a miracle in my finances? And God says, okay, I will, but first go dig a ditch. Are, are you putting me first in your finances? Are, are you going to build a bu- 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 budget? <laughs> so hard to even say, right? Why? Because digging ditches is difficult. And, and, and you said, God, would you bless my kids? Would you, would you help my kids? And he said, well, then dig a ditch. Get, get them to 4640. Make, make sure they're there. Get them to the, the conference. Make sure that you're preparing a place for when I do pour out on them, that they're going to be able to retain what I'm trying to give them right now. Are you digging a ditch? I wonder, are we praying, God, would you, would you bless my marriages? Or would you bless our marriages? Would you, would you help us? And God's saying, then dig a ditch. Love her, meet her needs, pray for her, wash her in the word, encourage her. He's saying, are, are you doing the things I'm asking you to do? Because I want you to participate in, in, in the blessings that I have for you. See, the problem is we come to church sometimes and we get so inspired of, about what God would do in our lives. And we come in here and the mood is set. There's worship music and then we get into the word and we're excited and we hear about different ways where God could bless us and we leave here so inspired. But have you ever left here inspired to make change in your life just to get home and when the conversation changes to the Broncos or changes to where you're going to lunch, you start to realize that no one else in your family was inspired the same way you were inspired and now reality is kicking in and you're going, okay, there is a difference between inspiration and participation. It's gonna be a little bit harder than I was thinking. See, I wish I, I could just bring inspiration around with me all the time. Maybe you, you wish you could bring our worship band with you everywhere you went. You think about that. What, what if Amanda and Joe and Julie just like followed you around at work every day? <laughs> That'd be cool. Like you, you leave, you leave like a really bad meeting, you're a little bit frustrated, and man, it's like, hey, let's just sing a worship song right now, let's do it, and right there, they just bust it out, and you're like, you're like yes, Jesus, that's awesome, right? Or maybe you prefer the preaching side of it, and you have one of our pastors follow you around, and we just, we come and we preach the word of God to you all day long when you're frustrated, and when the participation thing's getting, like, now you're changing the fourth diaper in the last hour, and you're upset, I'm like, change that diaper, do everything you do is under the Lord, because he's here in this place right now, you could do it, you could do, you are called and qualified for this moment right now, you are made for such a time as this, amen, right? Though you wish you could just bring that inspiration with you, but the truth is sometimes we leave moments of inspiration where the music has stopped, the mood is gone, and now the inspiration is fleeting and you find yourself there going, you know what, maybe this is the point where 
I'm going to get some sweat on my forehead, so I need to get a bandana, and I need to pick up a shovel, and I need to start digging. Because faith is a work order. He says, I want you to make this valley full of ditches. See, faith without works is dead. Repeat this after me. Only God can make it rain. But he wants me to dig a ditch. God said, make this valley full of ditches. See, that's difficult to do when you're already tired, when you're already sore, when you're already dehydrated, when, you, when you've been doing this for so long and it's like you don't know if God is even going to come through. But see, that's the nature of faith. God wants you to move beyond inspiration and start participating in his purposes in your life. A lot of people never see God do great things in their life and they start to say, you know what, it's because God didn't move in my life. But I wonder... Because I feel like I've seen it over and over again. I wonder if it's, is God waiting for you to dig a ditch? Because if the rain would have come without ditches, we live in the West. You've seen it on the news over and over again. What would happen if there were no ditches, if the, rain, if the ground was not ready and God sent a bunch of rain? A flash flood, right? And flash floods kill many people. The very thing you could be praying for, if you're not prepared for it, it could take you out. It could hurt you. It, if you're not ready for it, you could see it. You could get out of the way and it could rush by and you didn't get to even experience it because you weren't ready for it. See, our God loves us enough and he's good enough to say, I'm not going to give you something that's going to hurt you. I'm not going to give you something that you can't hold on to. I don't want to just change your circumstances for a moment. I want to change your life. So dig a ditch and be ready because when I send the rain, I want you to be able to retain it. And I want it to not just change your life. I want it to change your kid's life and your grandkid's life. It should change your job. It should change your finances. It should change every part of you. But are you ready for it? Are you digging a ditch? See, God shows us that he wants people to participate in our own miracles. That's why Jesus told the man with the withered hand, I want you to stretch out your hand. Just stretch it out. See, it doesn't seem like a very scary thing, but if you're the man with the withered hand, it takes a lot of faith. He wanted him to participate in it. It's like why he, when Jesus fed the 5,000, he said, first I want you to get into groups. I want you to group up because I want you to get prepared. I want you to get ready so that when I am going to pour out a blessing for you, you're ready for it. You're participating in it. I wonder how many times in our own lives, how many times in my life have, has God been waiting to, to bless me, but I haven't been participating with him? I haven't been doing the work. I haven't been digging the ditch. See, there's such a huge difference between inspiration and participation. 11 years ago, Amelie and I found the house that we're currently living in now. And it was a 30-year-old house. And uh, the day we saw it, it was September. The, the leaves were changing. It was a cool, beautiful day. And we walked through this house, and we were so inspired by what it could be. And we thought, this is going to be amazing. We're going to love this place. It's going to be incredible. And, and, and that day, we experienced inspiration to the point to where we could look inside and be like, yeah, it needs to be remodeled, but who cares? Could do that in a couple of days, right? <laughs> and many of you have experienced what we did where we learned there's a difference between inspiration and participation because we budgeted money and we thought it's going to take six weeks. And uh, when six weeks turned into 12 weeks and then into four months and five months and six months, we realized, you know, I'm tired and I don't want to do this anymore. This is hard work because we had moved beyond just being inspired to now we were participating in the work. You see, that's where God wants to bring many of us in this room today is 
not to just be inspired to ask for change, but, but to start participating in the change. See, it's one thing to pray for rain, but, but faith is digging a ditch in preparation for the rain. Faith is saying, I'm going to ask God to help me, but I'm also going to move and believe as though he is going to help me, so I'm going to be ready for it when it comes here. See, I believe God is speaking to many of us right now that we know that there are things in our life where we need to start digging. There are areas of our life where you, you, you need to start digging a ditch. There might be something in your life you need to get rid of. You need to shovel it out. Certain things in your life you need to start doing. And I'm not going to tell you what that is. The Holy Spirit will tell you what that is. But there are different things that if we ask God and we say, God, I want to see a miracle. I want to see a breakthrough. He will start to tell us, okay, start digging a ditch then. I, I want you to, to, to participate in the miracle. Now, what's so beautiful about this story and what's so great about the love of God is that we see that these kings, they didn't start off right. They weren't obedient, they weren't following God, they weren't listening to him. But when they had the opportunity, when God said, okay, if you really want to participate, if you really want to be blessed, then dig a ditch, they went out and they had their troops dig ditches. In the middle of sweat and heat in the desert, they dug. And then verse 20 says, the next morning, about the time of the offering of sacrifices, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom, and the land was filled with water. Once the ditches were there, God filled them. Are you making room in your life for God to bless you? Are you asking God to, to bless you and refusing to participate with the blessings? Are you refusing to participate to make the room so that, so that he can send it? There are a lot of different areas where God will not move you to the next level until you're ready for it simply because he knows what we can handle and what we can't. He doesn't want to give you a flash flood. I remember when I was working in children's ministry, I, I always had a dream, and I always felt like God was telling me someday I was going to teach um, adults. And at that time, I would pray all the time, God, give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity to teach adults. Give me an opportunity to teach adults. One day, God finally told, talked to me, and he said, Dan, dig a ditch. What do you mean, God? He's saying, if you were called up this week to speak to adults, do you even have a message to talk to them about? Have you done the work? Have you gotten ready? Have, have, are there sermons ready? Are you, are, do, have you listened to what I'm saying to them right now? Are you, are, are you doing the work? And it was at that point where I started filling up at the time a file folder full of different sermons of, of what to teach adults. And, and it wasn't until I was ready and I had done the work and started digging the ditches before God was willing to take me to a level where he could start pouring his blessing, his rain out on another level. Now there's a lot of us in this room. I wonder, are, are we asking God... God, would you start moving in my life when all along he's saying, I, I'm waiting. Will you start moving in your life? Will, will, will you start participating? Would you stand with me? We want God to move in our life, but it's going to take participation. It's going to take moving beyond just the, the inspiration of asking God for blessings. So, I know that I'm not going to talk to you exactly where you are, but I can tell you where I am because there's been times when I say, God, would you help me when it comes to my health? And God says, okay, then dig a ditch. <laughs> then Dan, put, put the spoon down and get on the treadmill, right? I'm not talking, to, I'm not picking on you. I'm telling you what he told me. He's like, like get, open up your calendar and dig a ditch into your calendar of when you're going to get up and run every day, right? right? Here's something Amelie and I have been digging at right now. 
Okay, we've got two girls in 4640 right now and, and we, we said, God, would you bless our kids? And he told us, okay, yeah, then dig a ditch. And, and we've started digging a ditch to go, you know what? It's gonna be hard work because everything else is gonna try to get in the way, but we're gonna dig the ditch and do the hard work to get, make sure nothing gets into Wednesday night. Wednesday night is when my girls are gonna start learning to hear the voice of God because I'll tell you what, I know there are a lot of times coming in their life where they need to hear the voice of God over a coach, over a teacher, over anyone else. They need to hear God's voice. So if you're saying, God, would you please guide my kids and, and teach them? He's told us to dig a ditch. So you know what? We put our bandana on and we started digging and it's been a fight. Man, we fight with coaches. We fight with instructors. We fight with teachers. We fight with our own kids because everything else wants to get in the way of Wednesday night. But we're saying, okay, God, if would you bless my kids? He's saying, then dig a ditch. Make sure they're ready that when I pour my blessing on them, they have the ability to be able to receive it. And I wonder right now, is God telling you there's some area in your life where you need to start digging? Some area in your life where you go, it's time to grab my calendar, it's time to move things around, and it's gonna be hot, it's gonna be sweaty. Like right now, I know in this room, it's easy to talk about, but when we move beyond the inspiration to participation, it's gonna be really difficult, there's gonna be some fights ahead of me, but, but it's worth it. Because I want God's blessings in my life, I want his miracle in my life. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you so much that you love us enough to guide us and to give us the opportunity to be blessed. Thank you that you won't give us anything that'll kill us. You won't give us anything that'll, that'll take us out or where we, we just saw it go by, but we missed it. So Lord, I pray right now that for many of us in this room, we needed to hear it from myself. Number one, I needed to hear this again. God, help me dig the ditches of my life to be prepared for what you want from me. Help me, God, to have the courage to put the bandana on and to pick up the shovel and do the hard work and move from inspiration to participation. So God, please bless our church. Please guide us. Because God, we want to see your miracles in our life. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Now, before you leave, would you, would you stop the piano for a second? This is the moment. The harp has stopped. The inspiration is gone. The sermon's now over, and this inspiration will soon start to fade away. Do you have the courage and the faith to participate in what God just told you to do? Love you guys. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10, 9. You can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.